I want to ask a quick question. Is anyone in here like particularly extra nostalgic, especially around Christmas times? Like as you were reminiscing the traditions, like you were kind of hit with a bit of nostalgia. Like for me, whenever I hear 90s or two, early 2000s pop or hip hop, like I get transported to when I was a hormonal teenager. I don't know if you feel that way too, but it's that feeling you get when that song plays. It's that feeling you get when you watch that old movie or TV show. It's like the fashion trends that are suddenly making a reemergence in our time back when we were 90s. It's coming back maybe it's when you see the random memes of like floppy disks or tamagotchis am i aging myself here do you guys remember that okay good i'm not that old for me recently um i love checking like new music when it's released every week and i remember one week this year I saw the 20th anniversary re-release of Avril Lavigne's debut album, and she basically recreated some of her hit songs today. And I remember listening to this like, he was a skater boy, I said see you later boy, and I just remembered what it was like when that song was playing. Well, research shows that we love nostalgia, like marketers have actually discovered why um, people love nostalgia and how they could capitalize off of it. That's why we're getting all these Disney reboots. That's why we're getting all these like Saved by the Bell, Boy Meets Girl Meets World. All these things are rebooted. The biggest movie of the year, do you know what it was? It was Top Gun Maverick, which is a sequel to a great movie many, many years ago. Actually, it's not that great. If you rewatch it, it has not aged very very well. All that to say, we're hardwired for nostalgia, right? Nostalgia is all about stoking the threads of earlier, simpler times, of the past, of the golden years, of the great times. And it's about evoking those feelings of joy long ago. But here's the thing. Nostalgia thrives off of familiarity, Nostalgia only works because it rubs this like familiar cord in the depths of our hearts. But here's the thing about familiarity. Familiarity is a helpful tool, but the thing about familiarity is that it kills wonder. If you are, if you are surrounded with familiarity, if familiarity is filling up your heart, there is no room left for wonder. Why? Because wonder is all about what's new all about what's undiscovered, all about what is yet to come. Wonder says there are things still yet unseen. Wonder says there is infinitely more to find. And I think with Christmas, especially if you've grown up in the church, what's happened to our celebration of Christmas is we've gotten so familiar with certain parts of it that we've begun to lose the wonder of its essence. And so we come for Christmas at church and we kind of know what kind of sermons to expect. We know what songs we're going to sing. We know we're probably going to do a white elephant gift exchange that can't get as raunchy as it needs to be. Like we know, we have an idea of what it is. We have lost wonder. It's become just another story that we tell one month of the year, a story that we're all familiar with. And maybe you wonder what else can we glean from this Christmas narrative? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I got kind of sick of Christmas sermons, maybe because I'm preaching them. Like the first two years, I had like all these fresh ideas. And then every year after it's like, what else do I preach on this? And I think every year it's a challenge because it's become so familiar to reopen and reorient my heart towards wonder. Do you guys feel the same way?
And so today I feel like what God wants to do is re, re, restoke the wonder in our hearts. The beauty of Advent isn't just that Christ came once upon a time ago. The beauty of Advent is he's still arriving here and now. And even through this age-old story and narrative that we find in Scripture about Christmas, God can reignite wonder in our hearts, and so we could approach it in a fresh, new way. So today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 23. Very familiar story, um, but I do feel like God wants to um, reignite our wonder for what this story was about today. Y'all ready for that? Okay, look to your friend and say, wonder. That was weird. Why did I do that? Like, I don't know why I said that. Okay. Here's how it goes. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christians, I think we're like really good at sanitizing stuff. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in my household, if I wanted to listen to secular music, I had to get the edited version or the kids bop version. And the kids bop version is terrible. But I remember growing up, there were certain things I couldn't watch, certain things I couldn't listen to, certain things I couldn't say. And I think we love sanitizing things about our faith. And I think one thing in particular that we sanitize is the Christmas story, right? Like most images that we see on Google or online are images of Mary. And she's like well-rested, dressed in like her Sunday best. And like the baby that's come out that's painted of Jesus. It's like a fresh, clean baby, almost like shining and a halo over his head with the barn animals looking all cute and like cuddly. And I think we've sanitized what this actually was, right? We don't see the fear in the eyes of a Middle Eastern teenager because of an unplanned pregnancy, right? We don't think of Mary hunched over the side of the road, throwing up because of morning sickness, right? We don't see the alien headed baby, which is absolutely true. Y'all when the baby comes out, the head is an ungodly shape. We don't think of the alien headed baby, Jesus fresh out of the womb, covered with goop, covered with fluids, covered with blood and hair. I know it's disgusting, but you might experience it one day when I saw pregnancy firsthand, not through a video, but my wife, I was equally astonished and in wonder and also a little bit grossed out. And it's really a gross process. If you see all the things that come out, it's not a pretty picture. It's not something you throw in a postcard and send to grandma. And it's no wonder that we lost the wonder of the Christmas story. We've sanitized it so much that it's lost its potency. It's, it's lost its humanity. We've sanitized all the humanity out of the Christmas story. Uh, Scott Erickson, who does this amazing um, 
I guess, set of art for Advent called Honest Advent. He has this really cool quote. I'm just going to read it in its entirety. He says, the sanitized brand we've created to celebrate Christmas aesthetically suggests we can only experience God with us by cleaning up all of life's messy details. But what we see through the details of the birthing process is that the Christ story is actually about a God who brings salvation to the world through all those messy details, the labored breathing, groaning, shouting of a mother, the powerlessness of a writhing, crying newborn, the fear of not having a sanitized place to give birth, a saving way came into the world just like we did in all of its goopy humanity. It's St. the Gwyneth Paltrow goop. Like we're talking like goop, like nasty and goop. You know how someone arrives like speaks a lot to like who they are. Um, I don't know about you, but I grew up in an era where we all loved the World Wrestling Federation, WWF. Anyone liked pro wrestling growing up? And the best part of wrestling were the entrances. And how a, a wrestler entered into the arena for their match said a lot about their character. So there's this guy named The Undertaker, right? And he dressed in like a long black drench coat, has like mascara under his eyes, long brim hat. And when his entrance starts, all the lights turn off. And then you hear a gong, dong. And it's like this really ominous music. He comes out with the smoke machine. You know he's like a demonic character, right? When seeing that, there's another guy, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like his entrance music starts with shattered glass. And when he comes out, like he comes out with attitude. He throws up the middle finger, drinks beer on the way. You know like he's a badass, right? There's all these different entrances that show who the characters are. And how Jesus chose to arrive says a lot about who he is. Jesus chose to arrive on earth, not on a flaming chariot, not on a grand throne, not descending from the sky, but through a womb, through a womb of all the ways he could have come to earth. He comes through a womb, a vulnerable, messy human womb. I think the the most powerful thing about the Christmas story is Jesus could have just like shown up as a fully grown man, full of strength, stature, and power. He could have led his entire people to rebellion. He could have led them into freedom from their captors. But no, he arrives as a helpless babe, weak and vulnerable through the same womb that you and I came from. Like I knew babies are useless, but until I had my own baby, I didn't realize how useless babies really are. Like literally, if your strategy is to do something productive, a baby is literally the least productive way to get anything done, unless you just want to experience cuteness or something. But what does this say about a God who's willing to be this vulnerable with us? What does this say about a God who's willing to come into this world through the statistical risk of childbirth? What's it say about a God who's willing to wait and grow in a human womb? What does it say about a God who's willing to be fearfully and wonderfully made just like we were? And this is the way our Messiah decided to come into our world. He made himself vulnerable. He came through the messiness of childbirth. See, when Jesus arrived through the womb, he was communicating something about himself. He's saying, I'm not interested in a distant relationship with you. 
I'm not interested in a surface level relationship with you. I want to intimately know you. I want to know your experience as messy and as uncomfortable as it is. See, any real connection involves vulnerability. If you've ever had meaningful relationships, what it involves is vulnerability. And Jesus made himself the most vulnerable that he possibly could by coming through the womb. And this is the heart of Advent. This is the heart of Christmas, that the Messiah of the world chose to get down in the mess to meet us where we're at. That if you're looking for God, how many of you know that you'll find him in the goop? in the goop, in the mess of our lives, in the things that are painful and hard, in the things that are struggles, in the moments where we're not sure in the mystery, that's where we'll find God because that's the way that he arrived in the pain, in the heartbreak, in the waiting. And doesn't God with us, Emmanuel, take on a whole nother meaning when we see him in this light, not just a God who ascended from the heavens or a baby that was like just boop, like the cleanest birth in the world, like boop, just pops out and the baby's perfect. No, but a a, a God who came through the messy details the same way that you and I did. He knows what we're going through. He's gone through it too. He knows what you're feeling. He feels it too. He doesn't just know about the human plight. He's lived it. You know, uh, a few years ago, when I turned uh, 30, Jacob like led me down this really dark path of skateboarding again. And like Jamie did too. So like Jamie enabled Jacob to do that, but we were skating like every week. And the thing to know about skaters is, you know, there's a bunch of cool skate shoes and skateboards, but if you, there are a few telltale signs that you're not really a skater. Number one, you look at their shoes. And number two, you look at their board. If their shoes do not have any tears on the side, because when you're trying to do tricks, you're rubbing your shoe against that grip tape. If you don't have any marks on your shoes or it's not tearing out or your toes not popping out, like you're not a real skater. Or if you look at their board and it's like shiny and clean and untouched, like you're not really a skater. You're a longboarder. You're not a skater, okay? There's a difference. In the same way, We never trust a skater whose shoes aren't ripped up. And I wouldn't trust a savior who hasn't lived the details of our messiness and our pain. I wouldn't trust a God who hasn't gotten down in the dirt with us. I wouldn't trust a God who hasn't been through what we've been through because then it's just someone on the outside. But God chose to get intimately involved in the details of our lives. How Jesus arrived says a lot about who he is. But it also says a lot about how he still arrives today. Jesus doesn't just meet us on the mountaintop. He doesn't just meet us when we're full of worship, lifting our hands and singing. He doesn't just meet us when we're fervently praying or reading the word. He doesn't just meet us when we're serving at mobilized love and serving people in need. He meets us when we don't have the strength to sing. He meets us when we don't have the words to pray. He meets us in our doubts, in our fears, in the messes we've made of life. And for many of us, I feel like this year has been a really hard year. For Krista and I walking with this community, there's just been a lot of heartbreak this year. There's been a lot of difficulties. And maybe there's this temptation for us to look at this year, especially because it's ending, and like almost be like an Enneagram type 7 ENFP. Just forget it all. Like, I can't wait for 2023. I'm just jumping into 2023. But maybe there's this temptation for us to sanitize the year because it's been so painful. To look on the bright side. To count our blessings. To overlook the difficulty of it all. 
But when we sanitize the pain, the tears, the doubts, the worries, the fears, we miss out on truly experiencing God. When he says he's Emmanuel, God with us, it's not God that just meets us when we're doing well, but there's an experience of God in our darkness, in our pain, that is unlike any other way that we could meet with him. Some of us have to walk through the darkness, walk through the pain, walk through the goop and the messiness of our lives to find him. He's the God of the goop. We serve a God who's lived our experience, who knows our pain, who understands our struggle, who empathizes with our weakness. And instead of sanitizing it, he embraces it. He says, this is actually where you're going to find me in the heartbreak, in the unknown, in the waiting, in the mess, in the goop, in the layoff, in the waiting while everyone around you is getting married and hitched up, in the brokenness of your family when every other family seems to be doing so well, in the sickness of your loved one in death. He's there with you. Christmas Christmas reminds us that there was a moment when the presence of God felt like morning sickness. There was a moment when the presence of God felt like uncertainty in the midst of a pregnancy. There was a moment when the presence of God felt like the pain of childbirth. And for you, maybe the presence of God feels less like the mountaintop joy and more like the pain in the midst of the dirt. Maybe right now the presence of God feels like the aches of childbirth. Maybe the presence of God right now feels like trusting while in the middle of the mystery. Well, this is the invitation God extends to us today to witness that same arrival of God with us in all the goopy, messy, and painful realities of our human lives. How many of you know an honest advent leads to an honest hope? An honest advent leads to an honest joy. An honest advent leads to an honest peace. An honest advent leads to an honest love. There is a true joy, hope, peace, and love that can only be discovered in our honesty before God. And maybe that area of your life that you so desperately want to sanitize is the very place where God wants to meet you today. So my challenge to you today is very simple. Embrace your vulnerability the same way our Savior did when he came into the world. Embrace your weakness. Embrace your mess. Embrace your doubts. And trust that you'll find God in the thick of it. Because the God who spoke light into a dark and formless void was that born in darkness. It's the same God who came as light through a messy and vulnerable womb. And maybe today God is saying, That messy place, that goopy place in your life is the very place my light will shine forth from. So I want to leave you with the question. Could it be that the doorway to experiencing God with us this Advent is by embracing the vulnerable, messy, and painful areas of our lives? May we see that this vulnerability is not a place of failure because of our inability to overcome it, but may we see it as an invitation to partner with our maker, with mighty God through it. So I want to invite you right now to respond. And so why don't we close our eyes? And um, 
I don't know if this message resonated with you, if you're in that place or you're not, but I do feel like God wants to speak to the areas of our lives today that are tough to speak to the areas of our lives today that are painful, to speak to the areas of our lives today that need, we feel like we need to sanitize. And I feel an invitation from Holy Spirit just to embrace your weakness, embrace your vulnerability, embrace your pain. So right now, I want you to just ask God, God, is there... Is there any of my area of my life that I'm trying to sanitize, whether it's for you or for the people around me? Is there any area of my life that I'm trying to clean up, to present nicely? What would it look like, God, if I just came before you honestly? Because I believe it's in that place where God's truly going to meet us. So just take a moment and just pray to God And I want you to listen for the voice of God. Is there anything God longs to speak to you in your goop, in your messiness? Is there anything God longs to speak to you in your pain, in your waiting, in your mystery? Is there anything God longs to speak to you in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your storm? Is there anything God longs to speak to you in the middle of your darkness? Just take a moment to listen.